I used to dread the theme back to school. <laughs> back to school meant for me being back to being alone. <laughs> I don't know what it was about school all those years. Even in Bible college and some of the other courses that I've taken, I feel so alone. Even in a full room with a great teacher, I don't know what it is. I feel like I'm fighting all by myself for for whatever reason. Uh, school makes me nervous. School makes me feel like I'm I'm fighting all alone, even though you got everybody around you. Because, you know, nobody in school, nobody's helping each other. Everybody's trying to get ahead. Everybody's trying to get the best score. Everybody's trying to write the best paper. Everybody's trying to get the best award and the and the best accolade. You know, you're all together, but you're not uh, supporting each <laughs> each other to achieve a victory and a goal. School, you're not on a team, right? But you know, then they have the extracurricular activities where you all work and function as a team. So I don't know. I just really feel here in this this episode, this monologue, to reach out for that person. That guy, that girl, high school, uh, college, wherever you are, how old you are, doesn't matter. To anybody who feels like they are in a season and time in their life where they're really trying to fight alone. And you're wondering, why is nobody here with me? Why is nobody fighting with me? Why is nobody championing my cause? And I, I just feel to tell you today that you're in your battle all alone for a reason. And a good reason, God wants to know, can you fight, can you accomplish, can you get out there and get it done, totally dependent upon God and the strength that is inside of you? I know this is not popular because we've got these these big banners waving everywhere across the land, stronger together, stronger together. Uh Really, in my opinion, that's a code for uh, the socialist new world order. And when the socialist new world order fails, the uh, total communist takeover, the globalist communist takeover uh, will be put in place. But, you know, that that's stronger together, stronger together. It's it's really code for embrace what is woke and hate America. And a lot of really nice churches with a lot of sweet people and really cool pastors have got that. Uh, displayed on their walls in their church. You walk in and they're singing about it, Stronger Together, and the preacher's up there preaching, Stronger Together. We're stronger together. You know, if you're alone, you're weak. If you really want strength, you got to be together. But really, it's code. See, most of what we say as human beings, words and phrases and statements and speeches and all that, a lot of it has become code. Uh, if there's anything I don't know how to be good at is talking code. <laughs> I like to tell it direct. I like to tell it plain. Now, sometimes I may disguise it in like a uh, parable or a dark saying or something, primarily to uh, be appropriate <laughs> in most places and times. But uh, I, I'm just finding out uh, this phrase, stronger together. Now, it sounds good. It looks good. But oftentimes, uh, familiar language is... Uh, a cover-up for some kind of bad theology or maybe not the most wisest of actions. But stronger together these days is not let's unify around the cause and let's uh, unify around the faith and the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. But what I'm seeing is stronger together is code for cry, sob, and feel sorry for yourself and drag everyone around you and your church down into your toxic cesspool of misery. <laughs> stronger together is not about being self-sufficient it's not about winning and doing something for yourself but it's stay a failure uh stay stay a warrior uh, stay stressed out and just get a little bit of temporary relief by uh snotting and pitching and snorting around on somebody's shoulder okay all right <laughs> and, and believe me i've done that and it does feel good but it doesn't change your situation or circumstance. You have got to learn how to fight alone. You've got to learn how to do something for yourself. Learning how to dig deep down within for inner strength uh, to get the job done and to make it happen. And I've learned how to do this. I found some secret sources of this power. And really, I learned it from Samson. Great Bible character. 
Samson. He learned how to fight alone. He always fought alone. You think of, you read a story in the book of Judges. He never has an army. He is always fighting by himself. Nobody helps him. Matter of fact, in one one moment, there was a uh, situation with him and the Philistines. Uh, Samson had uh, set all their fields on fire by catching 300 foxes. Caught 300 foxes, tied up their tails together, stuck a torch in between each of them, and sent the, <laughs> the foxes through the fields and burnt their fields down. And his own brethren came to him and said, The Philistines have come up against us and won a battle and fight, but this is not a war. This is clearly between you and them. And Samson said, You're right. It is between you and me. And uh, just don't kill me yourselves, but deliver me to them. You know, Samson <laughs> didn't say, Oh, that's right. Oh, my God. I'm in so much trouble. I need all of you. Why didn't nobody help me? No. He took responsibility for his own situation took responsibility for his own issues and his own problems. And he went out there and fought and with the, the jawbone of a donkey slew thousands. So I recommend you get out your Bible after this podcast and really look at the story of Samson beginning in Judges chapter 13. And I think all of us can find ourselves in the life of this great judge in having to learn to fight on your own. Have you learned to fight on your own? There is a time and place to fight with an army. I mean, you look at Gideon, you know, but, but you know, the phrase stronger together, if that was true, God would have sent Gideon out there with uh, 30,000 men against the Moabites. What does God do? Say, no, your army is too big. It's just too big, man. And he takes them all down there uh, by the brook of the water, commands all of them to drink, and those who bow down and put their face to the water, it was like God was saying, oh, those are the idol worshipers. They're used to bowing down to the idols. Now they're bowing down for their drink. He said, no, the true worshipers will t- uh, scoop up a, uh, their, their hand, scoop water up with their hand and put the hand to the mouth. And they're probably even more trained, skilled fighters uh, to keep their eyes open, to be vigilant and watchful. You know, you put your face to the water. You can't see around you, but you still stand, keep, keep your head up and, and drink with your head up with your hand. Yeah, you're a better fighter. And so God doesn't need huge armies. He doesn't need strength in numbers to get things done. He can do things with one person, two person, three people. Uh, <laughs> you know, Jesus has 12 disciples, and those 12 disciples uh, all changed the world. And they didn't have a stronger together mentality. They all went their own ways. <laughs> and, and then occasionally some two by two, not 2,000, but two by two into these cities and, and completely changed these cities. You can accomplish so much by yourself. You really can, and Samson did it, gained great victories through just himself. And what I think is happening here with Samson is he's always fighting from the inside. He's never fighting on the outside. He's not on his own line, and and the enemy's on their line, and they come out and run together in the field and fight together. No, where is he always fighting from? Within the enemy's camp. He always is fighting within the enemy's camp is probably one of the reasons why Samson went down to Timnah, a region of the Philistines, and saw a daughter of the Philistines there and uh, was uh, just smitten by her. I mean, she just knocked him off his feet, came back home, told his parents, I would like for you to go down there and arrange a marriage for me. His parents were upset, you know, because God commanded Israel to not... Uh, not marrying pagan women, marrying within the enemy's camp. You could not do that. That was the law of God back then. You could not marry a pagan. You were to marry of your own people, of your own faith. Uh, a good principle to follow still to this day, First Corinthians chapter 7, you can marry but only marry in the Lord. But the judges were a odd time period, and they were really in a state of emergency that entire uh, book, that whole generation, you know, there was no king. Everyone did that, which was right in his own eyes. And because of all of the intermingling with the pagan people, they, they had to do things outside of God's law to get things done. To take down the Philistines, God needed a man on the inside. And the way you got on the inside was through marriage, marriage. That's right. Solomon marries an, uh, uh, an Egyptian, daughter of Pharaoh, right, I believe. And 
you know, to create an alliance. And, and marriage does that. It's good for the husband and wife to get married. And I've always preached this, believe this. Uh, uh, single people, you want to get married, find you a good husband, a good wife, get married. And uh, enjoy each other. Enjoy life together, right? But uh, marriage also creates alliances. And uh, marriage really is the strength. Good marriages is how you stay uh, stronger uh, together. <laughs> Not a bunch of poor little miserable people uh, crying all over each other when altar call is over and the person locking up is trying to go and get to the restaurant. <clears throat> I'll stop right there. <laughs> I will stop right there. Um, <laughs> you are listening to Justin C. Gleason. Please consider following and keeping this podcast playing in the background of your productive day. Give a five-star rating and support by giving through Cash App, PayPal, or Venmo at Justin C. Gleason. It's 2022, the year we prevail. But yes, Samson, it's an occasion of the Lord for him to marry a Philistine wife. Moses commanded them, don't do this. You're going to cause problems for yourself. But it was an occasion of the Lord. He wanted a man on the inside. And sure enough, God got a man on the inside. And Samson was able to take down more of the enemies of the Lord than anybody before him. And he did this through his marriage. Now, his marriage was a disaster. Uh, it was not built upon trust. It was built upon uh, quite a bit of lies and manipulations uh, done by the Philistines. It just complicates it. Uh, when you marry, uh, you know, somebody where you don't, you're not on the same page with, you don't agree with, the more you agree with them, the more you're on the same page with them, the, the longer you'll walk together, right? Uh, what does the prophet ask? Can two walk together except they be agreed? Amos. And no, they can't. They can't walk together very long. You're going to get in an argument while you're walking and, and go your separate ways, right? but it was an occasion of the Lord. And through uh, that marriage, God got Samson on the inside to slay thousands upon thousands, even at his death, thousands upon thousands on the inside. But you notice this, Samson never rallied the troops around his cause. He never did. Why? Because he was a secure man. He knew the strength of the Lord was with him. He knew the power of God was upon him. He never, ever rallied the troops of all his Israelite neighbors around him for his own cause to uh, solve his own problems and to work out the solutions with him. No. He realized, if I caused a mess, i got to go fix it. If God called me to work work this out, to do this battle, I'm going to do it all on my own. I'm not going to bring people into my own battles. And I see this a lot of people. They don't know how to fight like Samson. They do the whole rally the troops around their cause. And this has become a problem with a lot of people, especially uh, doing this on social media. They get uh, uh, mad at somebody for something they said, something they did, and they can't go to them all on their own like Jesus commanded in the Gospel of Matthew. But no, they've got to rally rally around the troops and all these people around themselves. Why? Why do they do this? Because they're weak and insecure weak and very, very insecure, and they're too afraid to tackle the solution all on their own, so they get everybody around them, act like a victim, act like they, you know they've got an aggressor after them, somebody's oppressing them, and rally everybody around their cause, and uh, nothing ever gets done. A bunch of people get deceived and, and get sucked into somebody's crazy situation, and they themselves uh, have to suffer the own consequences with them. Yeah, that's why, why you should pick and choose your battles. Pick and choose who you get involved with. It is difficult enough to manage our own lives. It's difficult enough to manage our own lives. You don't need to be managing somebody else's problems. As the church, we need to learn to fight like Samson and get after it and let the strength of the Lord give us victory. And cause us to prevail. But I've I've seen this. And I'm, I get so proud of guys and girls who are secure in themselves. And know how to keep their business their business. And they fight their own battles. And fight by the strength of the Lord. And they don't need to rally the troops around their cause. If you have an enemy within the church, outside the church, whatever. Go to that person you have an issue with. <laughs> 
yeah, Samson went to the uh, to the Philistines that uh, uh, through extortion, through extortion, uh, gained access to the secret of his riddle through his newly married bride. Through extortion, you know, Samson put forth a riddle about the, the lion and the honey and all of that, and and uh, they couldn't figure it out, but they didn't want to lose the clothes and the silver and all that, so they went to his wife and said, get the answer from your husband or we'll kill you or kill your father. We'll set everything on fire. You know, that's that's just crazy. Did Samson get all the all of Israel around him, around his marriage and his home? His, no, he went to... <laughs> He he solved his own problem by killing some of the enemy, taking their stuff, and and you know paying the gambling. And that's another thing, gambling. Samson had a gambling problem. Anywhere in the Bible does it say thou shalt not gamble? No, but anywhere you see a gamble, uh, nothing good ever comes from it. So uh, don't get into that. Let's keep our business honest, podheads. Right? Uh, don't gamble. Uh, work hard and acquire wealth through work. Have a good exchange of commerce or bartering or whatever, but gambling leads to problems, especially in your family. Uh, don't do it. But Samson uh, didn't expect anybody else to pay his debts. Paid his own debts by fighting with the strength of the Lord. You know, after that whole debacle, after his marriage, after his riddle was exposed, he was angry, he left, and his father-in-law said, all right, enough with Samson. I think he's had enough with me, my daughter, and my family. He gives his wife away to the best man in the wedding. You know, Samson comes back, wants her, realizes she's given to another man, and it just starts a whole, whole domino effect of bad relationships. You know, the Philistines ended up killing that, killing that father and that daughter because of, of Samson's vengeance, you know. But then Samson, he goes from having a wife to with the harlots, then having a bad girlfriend, and it just, uh, he's constantly getting himself in a mess with, uh, with uh, who is calling me? Don't you know I'm in the middle of a podcast? Of course they don't know. Only I know. Oh, I love silencing. <laughs> That, that actually, it's, it's some number I don't even recognize. Probably want somebody want me to donate blood. Anyway, <laughs> where was I? Yeah, Samson was secure. He never rallied the troops around his issue. He depended solely upon the strength of God, and he fought great battles. So I doubt any of you are up against any, as it were, Philistines in your life. I don't know, maybe there's a neighbor war or a family feud or something. Maybe you are literally in the fight of your life. And these principles can apply, but most of us are in battles, uh, this kind of social battles, right? And um, battles within ourselves and battles to uh, accomplish and to acquire and to um, find fulfillment in life. In most battles that we typically fight alone is uh, dating and marriage dating and marriage and what happens when you bring other people into your dating and marriage uh problems <laughs> more problems right those are battles you fight alone uh your relationships relationships with other people in your church your relationships with your pastor your children's pastor all of that you start bringing other people into your into your issues into your um uh, you know, seasons of bitterness, what happens? It, it turns into a mess, and you never win. You never win. Uh, school, we've already talked about that. School, that's a battle you fight on your own, right? Uh, your work, your finances, your living situation, all of those things. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm about fed up, and I'm about compassion out with all of these people that say, nobody called me. <laughs> Where was my church? Nobody called me. <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, you know, you can post all you want on Facebook about your problems, but don't count on everybody seeing it. <laughs> and somebody like that the other, a few years ago, they're like, where were you? Why didn't you call me? It was all over Facebook. I'm like, I don't even think we're friends on Facebook, man. You know, and social media is social. Social media is not professional media. You want professional work? Uh, call the church office. Send the church an email. <laughs> Come to me before church, after church. You can't expect me to to lead people through Facebook. My God, you know. But it turned out to be a battle that was just simply wanting to rally the troops, 
around themselves and, and pull everyone down to their misery. And I don't think that's the way of the Lord. You learn to fight like Samson all on your own. A lot of times spiritual warfare, I believe in intercession if the Holy Ghost moves upon it. But most of the time with spiritual warfare, that's a battle you fight on your own. That is a battle you fight on your own through prayer, through fasting, and you win. Your addictions, I believe we've got a phenomenal Celebrate Recovery here, other programs to help people with their addictions. Those are phenomenal supplements uh, to help you to to draw energy from somebody else. You know, but let me tell you, the greatest strength that you have, other than God, his word, it's you. Finding that own inner strength that God put inside of everybody else to say enough is enough. I want to change. I'm going to start telling myself no and telling God yes. And watch your addictions disappear. Learning to fight like Samson all on your own. Uh, Let's talk about the gym. uh, You know, there's a... I I see a lot more people just through social media. A lot of us um, apostolics go into the gym. I think that's a good thing. Uh, Be careful. Uh, The gym, it used to be a place. It was all about health, all about strength and working out. But now it's like uh, a a hookup site, an open meat market. Uh, So watch out for that. You walk in, you feel that spirit. You probably want to run for the hills, man. (laughs) But anyway, but do you see anybody lifting weights for somebody else? Yeah, you know, you got the spotters and, you know, maybe you got somebody yelling at you behind you, you know, smacking you in the head before you squat 900 pounds. All the yeah buddies. (laughs) Lightweight, (laughs) peanut weight. Do you see anybody lifting somebody else's weight? No, you don't. You have to lift your own weight. The power comes through you. The strength comes from you. The fight comes from you. Only you. You fight like Samson. You fight like Samson, all on your own, by the strength of the Lord. Hmm. Praise God. So how do you fight on your own? I've got a few strategies here that I've learned in my own life. And through the life of Samson, you use weapons and strategies that you're already comfortable with. You know, like David, he rejects Saul's armor. He wasn't familiar with Saul's armor. And, and plus, Saul was of a different spirit, and I, I don't think David understood it all in that moment, but later on, I'm sure he did. Uh, David was comfortable with a sling and a stone. It's what he knew. It's what he had. It, it, was, it, was, it was there. It was what he already knew. And he <laughs> fought all on his own. Nobody else with him. He stood alone, him and God, and took down the most powerful warrior, enemy soldier of his day. Mm-hmm. And that's what Samson does. He already knew he was comfortable with things. Like he he was already comfortable with his hands, knew the strength from with, with his hands. A lion almost attacked him, and he tore that lion apart. He knew how to fight, how to combat with natural weapons. You look at the later point of his life after uh, he revealed his secret to Delilah, and his strength was taken from him. He's sitting there pushing a grinding stone, and they lead him out to make sport of him in the Philistine uh, arena, what does he do? He takes what he's already been doing, pushing a grinding stone, and what does he do? Push over the pillars of the temple, and uh, the um, support beams came crashing down and took down 3,000 Philistines. How about that? Yeah, what's interesting is Peter gets up on the day of Pentecost and preaches and teaches something that he had seen Jesus do, something that he was comfortable with. What happens, 3,000 believe his word and are baptized. Come on, somebody. I love that. But yeah, you use what you're already comfortable with. Samson knew how to use his hands. He tore lines apart with his hands. He pushed the grinding stone and he pushed down the pillars. So uh, what are you comfortable with already? What are you already thinking? What are you already saying? What are you already doing? Uh, That is how you're going to fight the battles. You know, years ago... When I was in my early 20s, I, I was at Bible college, and I had just some personal situations going on with me with academics, uh, where I worked, uh, dating, my social life, trying to figure out my ministry, things like that. I took out a piece of paper, and 
and, and got a pen and I wrote down I, I drew, and I drew a line down the middle of the paper. I'd never seen anyone do this, although I know there are people that do this. I, I have found out. And it's just simply called a what I know and what I don't know list. And when I'm faced with a situation that is perplexing, troubling, could very well be a setback or something, or even a, an opportunity to move forward, I do this, a what I know and what I don't know list. You write down what you know, and then you write down what you don't know. <laughs> and it has been shocking to me. And I've ne- I never keep those lists, by the way. They're too personal. <laughs> I, I destroy them. You know, I, I make them and I move on. But I'm telling you, they have worked for me. I don't know what it is about pen and paper. The answer is already deep down inside of me. I already know. And I'm not one of those guys that likes to bounce my problems and my my issues off other people. I've never been a rally the troops type of guy around me. Not much. And I, I just write down what I know and what I don't know. Just me all on my own, and I find out the answer. And it's not really through writing, but it's, I don't know, I just it's like I dig in my subconscious when I start writing down what I know and what I don't know. And the answer, it's already inside of me. The strength and knowledge is already within me, but I project it out on the paper and I discover exactly what I need to do. And it's worked me forever. And I'm not changing that. I know a lot of people, you know, you get, you download all these apps and solutions and, and then you can, uh, you know, create a group on Facebook and, 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 do, and there's nothing wrong with that, but you want to make it happen. Make it happen on your own. You want to get something done, you've got to do it yourself. Sometimes. Sometimes. Now, I believe in teams. I have a lot of friends. I have a, lot, I have a great support system. I've got, I've got all of that. You want that. But when it comes to fighting your own issues, fight your issues by yourself with uh, the strength of the Lord. And do it with what you're comfortable with, all right? Uh, you need to use what is available to you to make something happen. Uh, when, when Samson was bound up by his own people and delivered to the Philistines, you know, he's tied up real tight with all those robes and stuff, chains and all that, but it just uh, it melts like flax burning in the fire, the Bible says. And he looks over and he sees the carcass of a donkey and he reaches in and pulls the job on off that donkey, <laughs> which in itself is a miracle. <laughs> the job of a donkey is a very... Very strong uh, bone attachment, a ligament, but just pulls it right out and slays a thousand Philistines. Oh, my God. No sword, no shield, no bow and arrow, no great weapon. Uses something that's not even considered to be a weapon. The jawbone of an ASS, according to the KJV. <laughs> uh, you want to hear a funny story? <laughs> it's It's a true story. Somebody I knew had the tape. It somehow got on tape. But this is back in the 80s. Uh, the great apostle Billy Cole was preaching at um, CLC. It might have been Landmark, but he was preaching for CLC because Brother Kenneth Haney, Bishop Haney, was there on the platform, and Brother Billy Cole got up there. <laughs> and he got up and said, Samson slew thousands of Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey's ass. <laughs> You know, when I hear that, I'm like, thank God there's hope for me because sometimes I get those Freudian slip-ups. <laughs> and, oh, wait, excuse me, I've got this story wrong. It was Kenneth Haney who said that. It's been a while since I thought of this. It just came to my mind. Kenneth Haney got up and said that Samson threw thousands of Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey's ass. And he turned around and he looked at Billy Cole on the platform. There's thousands of people there. And Bishop Haney said, I know what I said. And Billy Cole went, (laughs) You know, Bishop Haney, he didn't try to rally the troops and try to correct himself. He just simply owned it and the place fell out. And they probably had a powerful move of God that night, right? You talk about a secure man, uh, Bishop Kenneth Haney who had to fight alone against a lot of enemies. Mm. That's another podcast for another day. Oh, my God. Ugh. Yeah, Samson. Fought with what is available. Use what is available to you. You know, in starting this podcast, I had hopes and dreams of having this big, great studio and 
and the, the nicest of this and the nicest of that. You know, I started out with just a simple little dynamic microphone that I may or may not have hijacked from a, a, a box with old sound equipment in this church and plugged it up into my laptop. And that's how it got going. Now, I got a little recorder and some nicer dynamic microphones. You know, and it's and this podcast popped. It exploded. I didn't have great stuff. I didn't have the best of the best. I just simply used what was available. And I fought and conquered. <laughs> in spite of opposition, in spite of offended people, in spite, you know, of metrosexual men trying to silence my message, I fight on my own. With just me and this little microphone, right? That's how you're just going to win in life, okay? Another principle, you're going to have to learn to fight when you're not 100%. You're going to fail. You're going to mess up. That's what happened to Samson. Broke his vows, failed, broke his vows, got his eyes put out. But even though he's blind, even though his hair is gone, he doesn't care. He prays, God, remember me. Remember me and give me strength just this one last time that I may take vengeance on my enemies. And boom, the strength of the Lord comes. And there's going to be times when you're going to have to fight. You're not going to feel 100%. Some things have been taken from you. You feel weakened. You feel exposed. You feel like the mockery of, of, of society or your community, wherever you're at. Don't worry about it. Call upon the Lord. He'll give you strength. And this day and time, don't play the victim. Don't. Don't rally the troops. Don't. Yes, have your friends. You need to have it. You need to get married. You need to have children. You need to have family. You need to keep good relationships with your pastor and your church and your boss, your place of employment, wherever. Have that. But there's certain battles God wants to put you on the inside of the enemy's camp and to test you, to try you, to see if you can fight all on your own. And you know it with the strength of the Lord you can. So learn to clean up your own mess. You don't need an army. Some of your best work and your greatest accomplishments and your best W's are going to be done when you're all alone. I'm Justin C. Gleason. Fight like Samson. This is Josh Herring, and you're listening to Justin C. Gleason. like to take a, a moment and remember some great men who are now in heavenly paradise with Jesus and many of the saints that have passed on in their generation and even before them. I mean, they're, they're, they're there in heaven. It's a fascinating to think about, and that is Bishop William Sisko and uh, Elder Johnny James. I want to remember these two men. A part of why I created this podcast was I wanted to be literary and I wanted to be personable. And I wanted to give listeners an opportunity to not feel like they were listening to somebody, a preacher from the pulpit. You know, I listen to a lot of preaching podcasts, you know, but when you do, you feel like you're in church. You feel like you got you got people all around you in the pews and the altar and all that. And I don't know. I want to. And I like that. I do that. Uh, head on over to the Life Church KC you can listen to a lot of my preaching as well as my dad's and a lot of great other preachers uh, on our staff and, uh, of course, guest ministers. But here I wanted, I wanted people to feel like, you know, I'm in, I'm in an office. I'm staring at a wall all on my own. <laughs> and, 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 and I, but, but whenever this happens, I never feel alone. I, I feel and see, you know, the audience walking around with their AirPods in their ears. Some of them uh, the Bluetooth's on their cars. Some of some of them, you know, just turn it on, click the phone on, and they're doing dishes and stuff, or you know, they're mowing the lawn, you know, whatever. They're at work, and uh, but I wanted people to feel like it was just them and Justin. And I talk about things that I think about, that I feel about, that I would never say in the pulpit in a way, in a demeanor that at times is a little bombastic, and uh, may rub you the wrong way, but if you cut all of that out, you're getting how Justin is kind of one-on-one, and uh, one of the things that I've just always done, and I don't preach about men too much, you know, great men of God, here and there I'll tell little stories, but um, I've, I've been making lists of men that really made an impact on me, 
in, uh, when I was a kid, when I was a teenager in my early 20s, and two men that I was not close to, I wouldn't even call them mentors of mine, but these two men, Johnny James and William Sisko, both came by our church and preached. And then, of course, I've watched a lot of their stuff on YouTube and and uh, you know, things like that. And I and I just found out that uh, William Sisko published a book, and, and so did Johnny James. I've got to get my hands on these books and read them. I mean, sermon and live preaching is great, but you really want to get um, the depth of a man or woman's mind. Read what they write. Because books naturally go through like a vetting process, and because writing is so hard, it's very meticulous. It really is a work of art. It, it truly what it is. Now, I try to make every message I preach and, and every podcast I preach like art. I want it to feel designed. I want it to feel created. I want it to feel like it has a purpose and a, and a, and a meaning. That, you know, you look at it and it speaks to you, right? I want that. But, but books is the greatest way to really get it. And, and books are just a physical piece of an author's mind and, and so is podcasting it's a, it's a digital piece of my mind but uh William Sisko and Johnny James in just a little single moment really propelled a lot of what I do as a minister Johnny James I was fascinated with him as a kid and I think my dad our church here in Kansas City is on record to being the first UPC church he had ever preached in I'm I'm very certain of that. He preached, uh, of course, he was PA, a PAW elder. He preached in ALJC churches, uh, of course, a lot of independent one is holiness churches. All of that. We were the first UPC church to preach in, and um, he he preached it because of the times uh, back in the late '90s, <laughs> and he gets up there, <laughs> and it was so cool. This man who's memorized so much scripture has all his sermons you know, memorized in his head, preaching with no notes, and he gets up there and he talks about how nervous he is to preaching because of the times. And he says, they asked me uh, if I was nervous, and I said, yes, I'm so nervous. I'm nervous as a whore in church. <laughs> which, um, <laughs> which I guess is a very appropriate thing to say in like a PAW setting. And talking like that actually makes a great connection between the audience and the preacher. But it was like, oh, awkward <laughs> in a UPC setting. And then he says, yeah, and I, and I preach for Stan Gleason. <laughs> he mentions dad's name <laughs> after after the horrid church. It's so funny. But, um, you know, I, I loved Johnny James. I especially loved eating lunch with him after services but as I got older and got serious about preaching I had two very special conversations with him and one I asked him I said Elder James how do you preach without notes how do you preach without notes and I was honestly expecting some great revelation with uh, some biblical hermeneutic or some etymology or something like that or some long system, or I was expecting him maybe to refer me to a bunch of books to read, or this or that, or or I even thought he might say, well, it's a secret that I don't tell anybody, right? But to my shock, he said, oh, that's simple. And he pulls out a fountain pen. He had a beautiful fountain pen. I It wasn't like a, a Mont Blanc or a Parker. It was some brand that I never even heard of and like and and I, I've only got a few fountain pens I, I'm not that uh into them fountain pens are messy maintenance and a lot of money <laughs> I try to go with what is common and what is available and now granted I, I like to have more class than a bic okay but I was looking at this pen I'm like goodness gracious and I didn't ask him about the pen but he had to have like gotten it from like the the 20s or the 30s and refurbished it or something I was about uh, maybe 19 or 20 when I asked him this. So we're, we're talking 2001, 2002, 2003, something like that. And he pulls out his pen, and he pulls out this little notepad that he has in his pocket, and it was loaded with handwritten notes with this fountain pen. Very exquisite looking. And he said, all you do is you write out what you want to preach, and you memorize it. Write out what you want to preach, and you memorize it. That's how you preach without notes. And I thought, this makes sense now. 
Johnny James never preached really from the stream of consciousness, which is what I do, which is what I've been doing this entire episode. Guys, I literally have uh, just some scribbled down notes right now on, on, on some paper and, and typed up a few things here. I'm not working off a script here, and I do that quite a bit sometimes when I preach, but for the most part, I do that what Johnny James said. Now, I tried to memorize my, my stuff, but I realized it's effective, it's good, but it takes a lot of time. If you're a full-time evangelist uh, and you don't have small children, <laughs> of course, he had nine kids, you know, but he really worked hard at memorizing the sermons, putting his content into his memory. I don't have time to do it, and truthfully, I'm just not good at it. I'm not good at it. I tried Bible quizzing as a kid. You know what was something? I could tell you about where the verse was, but I, and I could tell you what the verse talked about, what it said, but I never could memorize Scripture. And even like with tests and stuff, I'm terrible at memorization. But I'm phenomenal, an expert at familiarization. <laughs> and so I took what Johnny James said, and to this day, I write out a lot of my content, and I familiarize myself with it. I just write it out, look over it. I know exactly what I'm going to say. I don't know how I'm going to say it, when I'm going to say it, but I know it's going to come out. I'm just familiar with my content. And I think that is really good for a lot of you who are, you really want to do something for God. You really want to teach, you want to preach, you want to create, you want to be you know, content creation, whatever, social media influencer, and you're wondering, what do I do? You need to write out what you want to say and get it in your mind and your heart. Uh, you need to do that with your Bible. I'm not a good memorizer. I was never a good Bible quizzer. But I am an expert in interpretation and application of the Word of God. I, I worked with what I was comfortable with. I worked with what I was good with and used that uh, to bless people. So uh, that's the secret to how Elder Johnny James preached without notes. I want to tell you another story. I kind of heard this through the grapevine. <laughs> And uh, I'd heard a story that Johnny James and T.D. Jakes had kind of a, a very, very intense conversation about T.D. Jakes' success and how it was not all uh, that T.D. Jakes thought it was, but rather it was kind of disappointing to God. And I asked Johnny James about this, and I debated whether or not to say it, but you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I doubt this is going to come back upon me. T.D. Jakes will never listen to this. But some of you who are fans of T.D. Jakes, you like his preaching, you like his ministry, I want you to keep on listening to him. I want you to keep on reading his books. He's got something to say. He's got something to write about. But there's a certain aspect of his life that I want to share with you that Elder Johnny James told me about. And I've never said this publicly, but I just feel to do it. I feel like it's it's something that just needs to be said. So I asked him about this, did you confront T.D. Jakes about his success in his ministry? And he said, yes, that's true, and I'll tell you. He said when his, he, T.D., first of all, Elder Johnny James said, Justin, I knew T.D. Jakes when he was a nobody. He said, I knew him when he was ecstatic, so excited, so much energy just to be invited to preach for somebody on a Sunday night and make $80. He said, I knew him when he was like that. And he said we were at a convention, and uh, he, he, he said a lot of uh, great preachers, men and women of God with a lot of status. It wasn't UPC. It might have been a Kojic or POW or something like that. He said we were at this convention together, and uh, we connected. And uh, T.D. Jake said, Elder James, come up to my room tonight in the hotel after service, after we eat, and let's, let's come up and talk a little bit. Step late and talk so Johnny James went up there, and woman thou art loose. This 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 event occurred uh, circa 1998, 1999, something like that, when woman thou art loose got popular in, in a lot of other his books, and he was preaching on TBN and all that and doing really well for himself to his benefit. And they're up there talking, and and uh, after a while, it, Johnny James said it was like 4 o'clock in the morning. They've been talking for hours. Johnny James asked T.D. Jakes, T.D., According to your analytics, how many people have you reached in just a short amount of time with your books and your preaching and this and that? And I wrote it down in my journal. And at that time, T.D. Jakes had reached 
what his analytics have said with book sales and preaching and things like that, 30 million. 30 million people. That's what they estimated. And T.D. Jake said, or excuse me, Johnny James said, T.D., how many of those people have obeyed the apostolic message? I'm driving Johnny James to the airport when this is going on, by the way. And Johnny James said, T.D. Jakes looked at him and he kind of raised an eyebrow and he said, what do you mean the apostolic message? And Johnny James said, you know, Acts 2.38. Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Holiness, all of that. How many of those 30 million have heard that from you? T.D. Jakes said, nobody. Nobody, because that message confuses people. And Johnny James said, T.D., Jakes, you mean to tell me you are okay with one day standing before Jesus and telling him that the apostolic message confuses people? And he said, Jakes just went silent. Johnny James then looked at him and said, Jakes, you know what your problem is? You never passed the money test. Jake stayed quiet. You know, T.D. Jakes is one of those personalities, you're never going to back him up in a corner. You know, you, you look at him when he talks to oneness people, he's all oneness. But when he talks to Trinitarians, you know, he, you'll see there are three uh, aspects of God, you know. He did that with the elephant room with uh, uh, Driscoll, right? Remember that? He, nobody's going to back him up in a corner. So he just goes silent. He's not going to challenge Johnny James. He's an elder. He's not going to do that. But he just goes silent. And Johnny James, you know, he didn't want to poke him. He didn't want to, you know, it's just him and the, him and Jake's in the hotel room. It's not like he's embarrassing him in front of anybody, but he's trying to minister to him. He says, Justin, I took it deeper. And he said, Jake's, do you know the name Elder Chris Sowards? And he said, when I said that, Jake started to tear up. And he said, yes, Elder Chris Sowards Sr. made a great impact on my life. And Johnny James told me the story about T.D. Jakes, and the story goes that in West Virginia, Elder Chris uh, Sowards, one this apostolic preacher back in the day, in the in the, probably the early 70s, mid-70s, somewhere like that, he's praying in his church, and the Lord speaks to him and says, go down to the local dry cleaners. And there's a young man there named Thomas Dexter Jakes who is backslidden, but he is chosen by me, and I want you to go restore him. And so Bishop Sowards goes down there, and sure enough, at that dry cleaners, there's Thomas Dexter Jakes, and he starts to minister to him. And he helped him in the beginnings of his ministry in the apostolic faith, all of it, what you and I believe. <laughs> and so Johnny James brings up Chris Sowards, and Jake starts to bawl and cry. Johnny James says, T.D., you're going to half." to pass the money test someday. So the conversation pretty much ended after that. And I just tell you this to tell you that everybody has to answer to God for what they do in their life. Life is like a vapor. It's like grass. And you know, on the tombstone, what does everybody have? A little dash between the year you're born and the year you die. And everybody will have to stand before God. T.D. Jakes, after that, started going down the line of all the things he turned down and said no to because he wanted to be loyal and faithful to the apostolic message. And uh, I'm just going to tell you this right now. I hope and pray T.D. Jakes makes it. I hope he does. But I just got a sense and a feeling, as it were, in heaven and eternity, Johnny James is going to be driving the Cadillac and T.D. Jakes is going to be the one pushing the broom. Why? Because really all it boils down to is what did you do to promote the truth? What did you do to really get people to believe the real message of the Holy Word of God? (laughs) Man, I'm under conviction right now. That's right. You want to get saved? You need to obey Acts 2.38. You want to teach and preach the real God? God is not three. He's one. Jesus Christ is God manifested in the flesh. 
He's not the eternal son. He's the only begotten son of God. He is the part of God that you see. He is the part of God that you experience. And if that confuses you, understand this. Whatever relationship Jesus had with the Father, you're to have that same relationship with Jesus. And you need to be baptized in his name. All of that. That's how it is. And I'm not interested in selling you books about this or that. The other. I'm interested in the real message. So I've stayed loyal to it. I've had to say no to quite a few things and have had to lose a lot of friendships and connections of very a lot of successful people who could promote me. And I haven't talked to you about it, but I've gotten offers with this podcast to do things. And I know if I get on that platform, I can't preach and teach the real message. I can't preach and teach the truth. I can't do it. So I've had to say no. So there you go. God bless Elder Johnny James's memory. I will never forget those two things. William Sisko passed away very recently. Truly, 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 truly a great man. A great, great man. The Siskos and the Gleason family go back, way back. My dad, Stan Gleason, pastored a church in a Wisconsin, only about 30 minutes from a Bishop Bill Sisko. And uh, Bill Sisko was my dad's presbyter. <laughs> and uh, my dad, he tells a great story. He was a young pastor, like 25, and, and uh, you know, Bishop Sisko's 25 years older than him, seasoned, you know, been around a long time. My dad was having a lot of problems in the church, mainly with his board. It was one of those board-run churches, which are a disaster, by the way. you got to have a board. you got to have a board, but you got to have a pastor-led church. That's the way uh, the Holy Ghost sets it up. So Bill Cisco says, Brother Gleason, when you sit down with this board, they're going to tell you all the problems they have. And, and Brother Cisco is sitting across the desk from my dad, and he's using his hands to visualize, and he starts making hand motions like scooping up dirt. <laughs> so he says, they're going to have problems with this. He moves his hands from the, from the side of the desk to the middle like he's scooping up dirt. <laughs> he puts his hand on the other side. He says, they're going to have this problem. He scoops it up, scooting it in the middle. And <laughs> when he gets done listing all the p- potential problems, scooting it, it's like you think he has a big imaginary pile of, of junk right in the middle of the desk. He said, Brother Gleason, it's only going to mount to this high. <laughs> and he raises his hand like an inch off the desk. <laughs> and sure enough, that's what happened. All the problems, they amounted to nothing. No problems. And Bishop Cisco really uh, helped my dad during that time. And I've talked to Jason Cisco. He's about 15 years older than me. He says, Justin, I remember you when you were a little boy, man. I remember you <laughs> at the house. And stuff. So that's just kind of neat to think about. Of course, I, you know, to- a baby, a toddler, I don't remember that. But um, it's just neat to think about. But after my dad left there and uh, came to Kansas City to pastor, he had Bishop Sisko come and preach for us. William Sisko back in, this is probably, I don't know, maybe 89 or 90, had him preach. It was like an anniversary service because you may not know this, William Sisko was on staff here at a Life Tabernacle of Kansas City. I believe he served under Brother Black and Brother Parkey. He was like the youth pastor, assistant pastor. It's neat. So he has history here uh, at the church that I'm raised in and now, now serve on staff. And I was five years old, about five or six years old, when he came and preached for us there in the late 90s. And, I mean, he preached the house down. Tremendous move of God. And then after church, you know, Dad is uh, schmoozing the saints. Well, uh Brother Cisco and I are back in Dad's office, you know, waiting for Dad to get done with all the saints and lock up and then go to the restaurant and all that. And Brother Cisco and I are back there in the office. And here's Bishop Bill Cisco, great man of God. And you know what we're doing back there in the office? Playing catch with a ball. <laughs> I mean, he totally got down on my level. And uh, I remember even opening up his wallet and giving me a $5 bill. And we played ball, we had fun, we got on the ground and wrestled. It was just so fun, I'll never forget that. And um, I'd heard from my mom and dad, they said, Justin, don't you say anything about Brother Cisco's eye. He has a different kind of eye. They didn't explain the details, but they said, don't ask him about his eye because he has a glass eye. <laughs> but what do I do? I said, Brother Cisco, what's wrong with your eye? <laughs> he laughed. <laughs> I remember, we're literally sitting on the floor. He pulls out a pen, and he goes, watch this, and he taps it (laughs) on his eye. (laughs) 
And I remember going, whoa. <laughs> and he explained to me he had a glass eye. I was mesmerized by that. It was it was something. I'll never forget it, man, five years old and that. But just how personable he was. You know, I see him preach the house down, pray people through, and then we're in the office playing and talking, giving me $5 bills and showing me tricks with his glass eye. Fast forward in time in the year 2004. I met because of the times I'm down in the altar. I'm a senior at Gateway. I know I'm coming home to be youth pastor. It's not public, but I know. And I'm just trying to prepare myself for it, trying to prepare myself, you know, my first ministry opportunity. And um, Bill Sisko is right by him in the altar, and he looks down. He hasn't seen me in years, but he knows, probably through the spirit, who I was. He said, Justin Gleason. I said, oh, my God, Bill Sisko. And I give Bishop a hug. And he starts to pray over me and, pros- and and prophesy over me. And he said to me, you will soon go through a great season of frustration and resistance. But you are going to come through it victorious and prosper. And that word was fulfilled in my life as a youth pastor. It was. I had to totally change the, the culture and dynamic from a very... Uh, entertainment and activity-based youth group system to a powerhouse spiritual youth group. And that system, I changed it back in the in, in the mid-2000s. It, it remains uh, faithful to this day. Our youth group would rather have youth service and, and, and pray and get spiritual than, you know, uh, throw the football around and eat pizza. And they do that, obviously. But we created a spiritual element had powerful youth service completely youth-led and it's awesome i changed that but i was met with so much resistance in the beginning of that and what's something all the people that gave me resistance they're uh, backslid parents and kids real sad actually but i came through it victorious and prosper and prospered and this generation benefits it from from this day i thought a lot about what brother cisco spoken to me during those during those years i held on to that it really kept me going, and since then, I've had moments of opposition where I'm trying to do something for God, but I've realized just because you're frustrated and you have resistance uh, doesn't mean you're not doing what God wants you to do. And what's frustrating to me is whenever I'm met with resistance, I feel like I can't fight back. That's that's a problem, and and, and that's why I'm talking to you about Samson. <laughs> You know, uh, people that get, get issues with a, a pastoral leader, they rally the troops, don't they? Oh, they got They never bring the issue uh, uh, by themselves. They always want to rally the troops. You know, get them all in a Sunday school room and 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 through emotional manipulation get you in there, and then they want to chew you out. You know, if that ever happens to you, by the way, just walk out, just ignore them. Go play golf. Ignore them. Keep doing what you're doing. What are they gonna do? Powerless people. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's just neat. That uh, I'm, I have a kind of a similar prophetic pattern with Brother Cisco. He ministered back in the '60s at this church, and here I am now. And uh, played baseball with me, tapped his glass eye, gave me a five dollar bill, and then prophesied to me, and it got me through something. So these are two men. I wasn't close to them, didn't spend a lot of time with them, but the moments that we had, God used them to really set a direction for me. They set a direction for me, so God bless their memory. Podcast listeners, I love you. I really do. I'll explain to you more. Um, I've, I've been going through something in my life personally. I'll just tell you. My, we sold our house and moved. And uh, it's, a, it's, it's a miracle from God that's unfolding. But, yeah, we, we moved into like a transition rental home and, and not far from our old house. So that's been kind of difficult. I can't talk about it yet uh, because I want to wait for everything to, to be fulfilled and come to pass. We'll talk about it. But I've just been busy out of my mind absolutely busy out of my mind. We've still got a lot of things I, w- I want to say to you that God gave me earlier this year to give to you. And uh, a part of this is this uh, series on Samson. And uh, I really feel, I really feel like a lot of you are going to take your um, your sense as an individual to accomplish things all on your own to another level. You really are. That's what's going to happen. It's 2022. It's the year we prevail. I love all of you. God bless you.